cubes you can yank out for so long. Did you frame it? Where's it at? Ate it. Oh, you ate it. Yeah. Even better, even better. Protein. It's a lot of protein. Um, all right. So welcome to Bar Nona One, episode four with Tony Deception. How's it going, man? What's up, man? Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. So you just got back from a pretty dope trip, right? Yes, yes. I just got back from uh, Hawaii and the Philippines. Yeah. That's insane, man. How was that? It was great, man. Just to step away from uh, like St. Louis a little bit. Uh, I got to reconnect with some family that I haven't seen in a long time in the Philippines. That was the purpose of the, the trip. My mom lives in Hawaii. So she was like, yo, let's go to the Philippines. You can meet me here in Hawaii. Then we can fly together uh, to, to go to the Philippines together. And um, that's what happened. I, I got to spend uh, time in, in Hawaii and in the Philippines. That's awesome. And you're full-bred Filipino? Filipino. You could say that. There's some there's some Span- Spaniard and um, most Filipinos. But yeah, I'm full Filipino. Um, born in the States. Um, so you just got back from your trip. So yeah. tell tell us about who you are. What do you do? Who is Tony Deception? So so there, the reason why I have um, a, a Deception is my – that's my alias. Like when you talk about Tony, that's a different person than Deception. Mm-hmm. So um, Tony's the the – chill reserve guy but when deception comes out it's 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 over it's a whole totally different person polar opposites i would say that's where the 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 name deception came from like you could look at me right now as tony but you don't know that i might have like this crazy wild side that you probably wouldn't uh know just from knowing me but if you knew know me from the club then you you would kind of figure this deception persona that i have Sort of like a Bruce Banner, yeah, Dr. Earl. for sure, all that um, Clark Kent, Superman, all that. Just, I just like having this little persona I could like dig into on the weekends, just to you know whatever relieve stress or just act. Because as a DJ, when you have a persona, you could like <clears throat> act differently. You could uh, do more outlandish, outlandish things without having the repercussions of that staying with with uh, my personal self. You know, it's kind of like a it's just a character that I I do on a on the weekends and on my videos and stuff on Instagram, social media. Did this character come about naturally? I think so. I think because I'm such a reserved person, uh, personally, I like to, there's gotta be a way to, uh, find an outlet for the other side. Um, so I, I, I found that through DJing and that's kind of this persona this guy, this drunk, this guy who likes to drink a lot, take hella shots. That's not me on, on the, in the personal like life. I don't drink when I'm not DJing. So maybe I'll, I'll take a few if it's like a social event and I'm not DJing. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because I know you as I know you as Tony. Yeah, and I know you as Deception. Mm-hmm. But when anytime I know you as Deception, so there's a lot of people around. It's during the night, music's going, it's blaring. Right. So I've never really focused enough to to realize that. But what I'm thinking now that I'm thinking about it is you are a lot more outgoing. Anytime you're DJing, like oh, you're yeah. saying hi to everyone, Definitely, you're dapping yeah. everyone up, saying what's up. Like you are a lot more of a bubbly person in that sense. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It's just it's part of the game too. You know, you gotta shake hands, and you know, you gotta. Sometimes people are there for you, and you gotta you know acknowledge that. You know, uh, it also do, does mean a lot to me. When people come out and say what's up they're they're there to hang out and party and stuff with me yeah yeah you've been in, in the game a minute man yeah for sure i there's only a few people only a few djs that i've seen sort of have a reaction that you do 
in terms of like people begging to come up and see you, say hi, say what's up, hang out in the booth, you know, say oh, I'm with I'm with Deception, I'm with Deception. <laughs> Half the time they're not actually <laughs> with no, you, but they're, you know, they're they're up there to try to get free drinks and look hella cool and stuff sometimes. Yeah, I, I realize that a lot, especially at your Sunday gig. Yeah, like that upstairs area is just. Oh man, sometimes it's more more it. popping than the the dance floor, and that's that's awesome to me, man. Um, I don't know what it is. It's just uh, the work that I put in and um, for Sunday school, the the way I wanted to format it, the look, the feel. Because um, there, there's been many iterations of Sunday school. Uh, I'm not the only. Sunday school is like the longest running industry night in St. Louis, and it was it happened even way before I I, I stepped here in Missouri. So I didn't but, know that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it happened way longer, and um, it's just an honor to be a part of that tradition that they started. You know, it's kind of like carry the torch after that um caustic uh, my cousin caustic was a part of it before me je was a was a sunday school resident before me my good friend je, uh, guy that produced nelly's yeah yeah he's uh he produced the whole country grammar um he started out as a dj as well before uh, producing the big hits and stuff but he still he still pursues it a little bit he'll, he'll step out once in a while to play a few jams somewhere i think i met him probably once or twice yeah once or twice i think you Maybe at Sunday school where he stopped in at Tin Roof. Yeah, yeah. I, remember talking, time. I introduced you guys real briefly. Yeah, but that fucking monitor you have is so loud. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't yeah. get a word through it. So there's a thing. It's, it's okay. One it's, one, it's been years and years of playing in the DJ booth. And I don't think my hearing's that fucked up. Some people say, even my girl said, would say that my hearing's fucked up. But I think I need to, I need to be in the moment of the music to feel it, to, to be right in the right moment to... I need the music to be held out to surround me to, to feel that energy to give it to give it out. So that's one of the reasons. If you ever step in a DJ booth with me, it's gonna be hella loud. Like mm. period. I, I don't get how people other DJs can um, just have it like at minimal volume and just vibe out. I need to vibe out. I need to hear feel the music. So that's why it's so loud sometimes. It seems to you. It seems to me like for you, DJing is more of an all-encompassing experience than just doing a gig or doing a job. As you said, you have a persona for it. Yeah. You know, you need that music loud to fully engulf yourself. Oh, in definitely. It. It's it's a serious thing for me. It's not just like, yeah, like you said, it's not just a gig. It's like, I take it really seriously. Like, this is my, this is my main source of income. And if, you know, I have to perform every time. Uh, so I take it real serious. Uh, whatever ways I could like um, make a great performance, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I think it's paid off. I mean, based on your track record, where you are, and, and sort of the hierarchy of, you know, DJs in the scene. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into DJing initially? Because I know you have sort of a wild story. Yeah, well, oh, okay. This all starts in like Northern California, where I was born, like in the early '90s, probably '90. I started in '95, and around that time, um, just like what happened a couple of years ago, it, as the blo- uh, explosion of DJs everywhere. That was probably at its pinnacle in the 90s. There was a lot of, um, it wasn't particular single DJs. It was more of a uh, DJ groups or a DJ crews was a, a big thing. Like a mobile DJ crews were, were a big thing in the Northern Northern California area or California. And uh, luckily where I live, there, my neighbor next door was a part of a DJ crew. So every every weekend they would have like these garage parties where, pop, where were popular in California. So I would just attend those. But I wouldn't go there to party or like talk to girls or drink. I would just like, I just kind of gravitated to the DJ for some reason. I would just pull up a chair and just like, just watch the whole time. 
And um, that's where my interest sparked, just because, you know, my neighbor was a part of a DJ crew and they, they would scratch. You know, scratching was uh, my main focus at first, uh, other than the mixing part. So scratching caught my attention first and they would do that. They would mess around. And um, that's how I got into it. That, that sparked my interest into DJing right there. And where did you take it from there? I took it from, from there was uh, I begged my parents for equipment. Equipment is not cheap. So um, I think the following Christmas I got like my equipment in pieces. I got like a turntable first and then I got a mixer. And then all I had was a, if you see now, my, my evolution, I kind of still have that because uh, you'll, you'll see me only rocking one side. One turntable on the left, a mixer in the middle, and that's it. Because that's how it kind of started. Um, I had that and a CD player to play beats to scratch to. So I didn't have a I didn't have money to get another turntable. I just had like a tape deck or a CD player that I would just play play beats and just scratch on my on my left side. So I feel more. That's where I started. I feel more comfortable that way of DJing, especially um, in like a party environment where I'm just kind of just playing music, not really doing too much like turntablist crazy technical stuff so yeah that's and then i just uh for years i just scratched by myself um took some inspiration from my neighbor next door but practice with him sometime but i sucked so he, he wasn't really trying to hang out with me uh luckily my cousin i found out dj caustic who lived in st louis for a little bit uh he was into the the, the scratching stuff too so we kind of we kind of bounced off each other, but he was way ahead of me at the time. So he didn't want, really didn't want to practice with me until I caught up. Hmm. So, yeah. It's good that you had that sort of goal to those uh, those mentors, even though they weren't really fucking with you much at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. At least you could see where you wanted to go. Exactly, exactly. And this is pre-internet. So there is no tutorials online, no DJ school. So you kind of had to learn by ear or by, if you had, a, like you said, a mentor or somebody just to show you what's going on because... Back then, it was just listening to to records that had scratching or uh, Yo MTV raps, and it wouldn't be like it'd only be small parts. I remember uh, Def Commie Jam on HBO. Uh, Kid Capri would open up with scratching, but it would only be for like a minute, just the intro and the outro. So I would remember recording all those se- sections and have a compilation of just. Uh, Things I could record so I could rewatch them and try to re- uh, learn what they were doing because it was really hard to get your hands on DJ scratching content at the moment. So that's how I kind of learned was just looking out for that stuff on record and TV. That's dope. Yeah, I think we take for granted so often that you know smartphones have only been around ten years. Crazy, right? Me and Rat's only been around for a little bit over twenty years. Right. It's an entirely different world. Now, where did you take it from there? Because correct me if I'm wrong, you are a, you are a world champion. Yeah, yeah. So, so at that time, I was living in Northern California, Stockton. If you guys don't know, um, Diaz brothers, uh, that you probably recognize that name if you know if you follow UFC. Is that Diaz. close to Petaluma at all? I'm not familiar with that area. It's yeah. Northern North St- uh, Sac- Sacramento is probably like less than an hour away. Okay. Yeah, right. So, okay. So then, my parents uh, unfortunately divorced, and my mom wanted to start a new life. Uh, somewhere she, she picked Hawaii. She she we we had no family out there, no relatives. She just wanted to start a new life, and um, I uh, uh, I had the opportunity to live there, so I just I took the chance just to go. Like who wouldn't, you know? Yeah. Like, as a, as a someone in middle school, like 12, 13 years old. Hey, do you want to live in Hawaii? I was like hell yeah. So I just left, 
And I continued to like, I didn't, you know, nobody, I didn't know nobody there. I continued to like practice by myself for hours and days and weeks until I met up with a, a group of people who had the same interests as me. And um, from then we formed a group called Nocturnal Sound Crew. And uh, we, that's all we did was practice with each other. Um, like all the time after school, we kind of like developed our skills with each other because we were all kind of at the same level. There were some guys that are, are a little bit higher level than, than I was, but we all um, were kind of like friendly competing against each other while we were practicing and that, that elevated our skills to at a point where we could compete at a, at a, at a world stage. So there's this competition called ITF, International Turntablist Federation. Uh, they came to Hawaii one year. They held the, it's a world final. It's kind of like the Olympics, if you don't know what I'm talking about. They take the best, there's regionals in, in each country. Uh, and then they get the best of the best in the, in the world finals. And they, they held that, they hold that in, in one night. And luckily they held that in Hawaii where we get to, we, where we got to see all the world level talent and, um, you know, after, after going to that, we were like, we looked at each other, we're like, hey, man, I, I think we compete, like uh, hang with these people that are in the world finals. So uh, that following year, we practiced every day to come up with a routine as a team. And uh, we, we, there was a regional in Hawaii. We won that one. There was a regional in the USA finals was in uh, San Francisco. And we won that one. So we got the right to to represent the United States in the USA team finals, in the world finals, which was uh, in Germany. And we got flown out to Germany and we, we won that one. So that was our first world championship. That was the first one. First one. We won two back-to-back. Uh, -back. So the process went over again. We practiced for a whole new year to come up with a, a six-minute group routine. We, so we went as a group. It's like a DJ band. Like, one's doing the drums, one's doing, like, a bass, one's doing, like, a scratch vocal, and you come up with, like, your best six minutes as, like, a routine, and you present that, and you have, like, we're going against guys from Germany, we're going against guys from France and Japan, and uh, we won that one. That's tight. Yeah. How'd you prepare differently for the two different years? Um, I think we were, we, we were more composed this time, because we, we didn't know what the fuck we were up against the first time it was our first some some people like some groups take years they 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 they're they in that competition for years until they kind of like place or win we kind of just enter, entered our first time and we won we're mm. like whoa okay this is cool <laughs> yeah this is kind of cool so uh, we were just more composed more thought out process and kind of a formula that works in that that setting for a six minute group routine so we kind of nailed this formula and we took the second one again. It was, I think that was held in Germany as well. Munich, Germany. That's exciting, man. Yeah, it was, it was fun times, man. We were, we're still kids. I think we were still in high school or just about to get graduate. And we didn't know that this scratching stuff could take us around the world. You know, mm. we were just, we honestly, we just started in the beginning, just messing around, just practicing. Cause we, we, we love, we, we love to do it. You know, there was no, financial gain or anything any gain just just uh you know just because we we had a passion for it at the time yeah yeah it paid off so where did you take it from from there from there i got um i wasn't able to do the the third the third time defending because i i got married to this uh air force chick in hawaii the air force is like really prominent out there 
And that's what brought me down to the Midwest, actually, was uh, I got married to this Air Force chick and um, ended up in Missouri or Scott Air Force Base. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. So I kind of just wanted to stay out here just to see how far I could make it without the help of um, my, my crew back home in Hawaii or help from um, California. If, if I went back home to Hawaii or California, I would have had it all set up for me. Mm. I guess it was like I was young and eager and just wanted uh, adventurous, I guess, and uh, wanted to see if I could make it somewhere without like zero help, zero. Nobody knows who I am, who I was. Uh, nobody knew I was a like two-time world champion. Just wanted to start to see if I could make it on my own. Kind of like soul searching, maybe. Just wanted to see what would happen, be the outcome. How long ago was that? I think I was here in 2002 or three or something like that. So I was a uh, I didn't, since I wasn't able to become a, like a DJ and work in the club circuit. I, I had to take a, like a regular nine to five job, which was like I had to do it at the at the time, but. It was like the worst shit ever, man. It's like doing? not my thing. Uh, I was a customer service representative at a electronics and furniture store. And it was like the whole nine yards, like slacks, tucked in, buttoned up shirt with the tie and like speaking properly and helping, assisting customers on because why, why, their, why their recliner wasn't uh, here for them to pick up on time. It was just not my thing, but I had to do it. Mm. So it took about two years kind of um to kind of get established here in St. Louis as a DJ. At the time on the weekends when I was off, I would uh, you know, throw out mix mix CDs and just like give them to anybody who would listen and I would drop them off in uh, mailboxes at venues just to hopefully get a lead somewhere. And I I, I finally got one. Uh, I think it was uh my first ever gig was I think it was Drunken Fish in Westport. Oh, uh, huh. yeah. I, I, I don't know how I got it, word of mouth or something through a mix CD, but um, it actually paid off because that was the start of to get the ball rolling to where I'm at now or where how I excelled so fast here. Um, so it was an industry party, uh, luckily. So that meant a lot of people from the bar and restaurant industry were were attending. And it caught a few ears, and I got um, I got offers through that gig, and then from there, just the it just snowballed, you know. From there, from even from the other gig that I did for that company, turned into something else, and did something else, and then ball just started rolling. Started rolling, man. That's exciting, man. That's yeah. I don't think a lot of people would uh, would expect such an interesting tale. Yeah. Well, you don't really. You know, for for DJs particularly, like, especially if you're not, like, you don't really know the backstory. You just know the DJ because you see them at the club wilding out and partying with girls and just having a good time. And usually that relation ends right there unless you know them personally. So it's it's pretty cool to kind of get this story out for people who are interested, you know, who knows. Um, even to this day, since I'm so like a private person uh, in my personal life. A lot of people don't know what, how, why I'm here or what my story is because, you know, I know a lot of people, but they're more of acquaintances or just like club people mm. that I know. At the, and it stays there. It stays there on the weekend. It doesn't kind of reach out to, you know, hey, you want to go grab a drink? I don't ever really get those calls. Like, hey, you want to go have lunch or something? It's like, 
it's usually, hey, where you we're DJing at tonight, or what's up? Can I, can I get guest list and what, let's get this to take shots and whatever? But and then I'm cool with that. Mm. I mean, I'm cool with that relationship. I'm not I'm not out here for new friends, you know. I, I like that. It kind of goes with the persona, with the deception. Like all that leaves with deception, and then, and then on Monday, I'm Tony. I could just do what I do uh, on my personal time and do what. You know, whatever it is, I like doing thrifting or some or uh, making videos, hanging out with my girl, whatever, you know, kind of like that separation. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Tell us about the, the thrifting thing. Oh, uh, yeah. So I think it was kind of instilled in me with my, my dad back in the day. Uh, he took me to like he's really into like thrift stores and flea markets and finding bargains. I think we were at a thrift store and really stuck with me. It was like he showed me this jacket. I think it was like a members-only jacket. You remember those? Yeah. Um, he's like, you, you see this jacket? I get this for like $2 at like at the mall. It's like 50 bucks, And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. So that kind of just stuck with me um, throughout my teen years and even now in my adulthood. I, I just enjoy doing it. So right now, like thrifting is me to kind of connect with my youth back in the day. I like to collect things that I like wore or had toys or whatever back in like my high school or my my younger years you know um just to kind of reconnect with that that younger younger tony and i like i like to collect like tommy hilfiger old tommy hilfiger stuff polo um anything 90s 2000 vintage whatever it could be like a toy or some electronic stuff and i've been doing that ever since um you know but then I found um, there's like a market for people mm. buying it. It's, in, it's like it's like people like me that want to reconnect with their their middle aged self or not nothing, their like their younger self. Mm. So there, and I find out there's like people pay a premium to 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 reconnect with this item, whatever item it is, like a, a t shirt or jacket or something. So I started selling on eBay and other online platforms. And so I have like a little side hustle with that as well as us. You know, I go to thrift stores, find something that I can make a profit on and I flip it on eBay or Macari or whatever, offer up, wherever I could sell something, I'll, I'll make a profit. I'll do it. And you also incorporate a lot into your own style, right? Yeah, definitely. I like, I like, I like having these kind of pieces that you can't really go to H&M or, or, or Urban Outfitters um, and buy because and, I hate wearing something and then going to the club and like somebody else has it on so mm. i like to try to like find one of the kind items or hard to find items and just didn't rock them I, i'm not i don't really like follow the hype beast stuff either because you know, that's just not my my thing not my style yeah i think you have a, a really unique sort of style and swag and it makes sense because you're filling your wardrobe with all these sort of unique items mm. that you know be yeah, out as you said people aren't buying you know, they're not being sold by the thousands at H&M. Mm, for you, sure. You know, it's not like the thrift stores are mass producing anything. It's just whatever they get, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I've been, you know, that one time that we went out to the thrift stores. Right, right, right. And it was really interesting because I know you as being such a killer DJ, but then also seeing that side of you that's so insightful about something that's completely different from DJing. Mm. Uh, that was that was really interesting and refreshing. Yeah, it's definitely like a, it's like a treasure hunt every time because... They're, they're not they only they only put out what they get you know they're, they're, they don't have like you said like 20 things of one item it's just like um it's a modern day treasure hunt to you don't ever know what you're gonna find i've been surprised with like crazy shit that i find there uh some things that connect with me or just random things i don't know 
you can find really anything at a thrift store because uh, people just donate or throw away stuff all the time. I bought a, a, a floral hat when we went. Right, right. You, you rock that, right? Yeah, it was like three fifty. I dude, I get so many compliments on that hat. Nice, man. That's um, what that's what it's about. I'm like dog know? savers. Yeah, Hit right. Yeah, you, like I said, it's a modern day treasure hunt. It's, it's just exciting every time I go because it's like they just never know what you're gonna find. So when you're DJing in the in the bars and clubs, you do Sunday Sunday school every Sunday. Do yeah. you have other residencies on Fridays not, or Saturdays? Not weekly residencies, but I do um, like. When you give me a call to DJ at Tin Roof, I do uh, Ballpark Village sometimes, uh, and and uh, the other venues in there like Crown Room, or I'll get something random, you know, if it comes my way uh, and I'm free and it's kind of like worth it for me to do it and it's fun, uh, I'll do it. I'll definitely do it if I'm free. That's tight. So what are some things you notice? Because I'm sure you've done, you know, you being on a world stage platform is entirely different than playing. You know, a, a tin roof on a Saturday night. So, what are some things that sort of stand out to you when you're playing a set? You know, on a weekend night in that sort of party party atmosphere. Gotcha. Yeah. So, like, I believe a one good trait of a good DJ is just be a great observer. Just because you need to know what people are feeling, what they're not feeling, what kind of demographic is in their age group. There's a lot of things. That I think a good DJ is a good people people watcher. And I, that makes sense because I, I love like just watching people. Like if you're, if I'm ever at an airport, you can see the most like diverse group of people at an airport. It's just it's just inter- interesting for me just to sit down at one of the the chairs and just watch people go by. And as a DJ, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, maybe this these group of people they like like this type of music at an airport, like or like what what are these people into? And it's kind of like a game. And I apply that to DJing as well. Like you really have to be observant um, of the clientele uh, that you're playing for. Because if you're not doing playing the right music, you got to switch it up as soon as possible. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you you are you do have a job. You're getting paid as a professional DJ to do your best, do your best ability to uh, to play and have the most successful night there. So, how much of your set? on a normal night would you say is pre-planned like can you fully expect sort of what you will be playing or is it just curveballs oh no way man that's that's the worst i've tried to dj like that one time like my set from finish to end at like um maybe like at a uh, a performance like an hour show not like a a whole night like uh you know like a guest appearance you got an hour to do your best Mm. and i i planned it one time and it was like the worst like performance i've ever had even though i thought it was awesome in the studio like oh yeah this is the best hour like this is the best stuff i could put out in an hour pre-plan like there's no vibe when i when i did it live there was like no vibe because there was no excitement because i knew what was coming next and and that that energy translated to the crowd if you're not hype if you're not hype then why why should the customers be hype when you're djing you know and um so uh when i like to dj it's always off the cuff um, I might have like maybe like one or two, a handful of like routines or maybe one or two songs that go really well together because uh, sonically or, or, or sonically or wordplay, something might, might work and that I know that I can go to that will fit into the routine where I'm currently at. But usually it's off the cuff. Um, I usually let the alcohol talk to me mm. and, and the people and the energy of the people. Um, I think 
not being shit face drunk, but being at a at a at a being tipsy is a is a good good time, good space for me to be in as a DJ because I want to connect with the people because uh, be on the same level as the people as well because you know most of them aren't sober. I don't want to be sober either, and, and I think it's a good it's a way to um, connect well, with the crowd's energy a lot better, feel their energy, and then I, and then I give it to to be on that same level. It's interesting that you say that because, yeah, like you said, for you, it's nice to be a little bit tipsy. There are some DJs that don't touch a sip of alcohol. There are some DJs that really get into the party stuff. Yeah. And, like, it's it's a very big spectrum based on who you are. It I remember, is, definitely. I remember one time I had to DJ, and I didn't expect to have to DJ. Um, it was we had a party at Tin Roof, and I was just hanging out drinking like i had dj'd earlier <clears throat> for the event we were doing and then i was just hanging out drinking and i was getting pretty pretty lit okay and i by the end of it i was pretty lit and it was like shit someone needs to like keep the party going or else we're gonna lose potentially thousands of dollars there you go. so i went up there and that dj fucking wasted yeah and the next day i was like man like i i hope i did a okay job and i was talking to people they're like yeah you sounded fine there you they're go, like man. but i thought like you know, the next day I was like, fuck, I probably fucked that up. Uh, everything in between. But, you know, I, not that I plan to to make that a habit, but it's interesting how it's different based on the person. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I commend the people that can do it sober. I wish I tried it a couple of times and um, I just don't catch that energy uh, the, the same. It might just be, be because I'm drunk, but I, I uh, DJing sober is really difficult for me. But um, I commend those that can do it. So you're talking about feeding off the crowd, feeding off yeah. their energy. I feel like something to, uh, a lot of DJs speak about and a lot of jokes are made and a lot of memes are made, song requests. Yeah. So this, what is the, what is the process? If someone wants to request a song, obviously they don't want to do like the four, remember four Sambuca girl? You ever see that video? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. started ordering. She thought she was at the bar. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's <laughs> that. Uh, how should one go about it? Um, actually, I, I don't mind requests. I, I take I actually use that as a tool to gauge if I need to change it up. So if I get a request for a certain type of music and I get it like three times in a row from three different people, I might consider changing it up depending on you know if if I feel that it's right if I can make that decision. But the best way to do it is do it with money. If you want to get your shit played like right away, this is a pro tip. For people who want to get their their song played, do it with a, some money and do it like respectfully because this, this coming up with an attitude and like I want to hear my shit now type of shit or if you don't play it I will leave well then leave then shit I don't give a fuck you're one person being coming up with an attitude but just do it respectfully don't be on a DJ's face uh, I made a this funny um uh what I like an Instagram video that I did uh, for an example when. I hate, don't do, don't ever do this. If you're going to do it, here's my advice. Okay, so like a lot of people do the, the phone in the, in the face to the DJ with like 1,000 maximum brightness. And, you know, we're in a, we're in a dimly lit uh, environment. And to do that is, is just like, it just fucks up your eyes. and I'm Staring at up. the fucking eclipse. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, check out my uh, Instagram at DJ Deception. I made like a funny video when somebody did that to me. Um, it's pretty funny. It caught on on some DJ level shit, but um, 
Yeah, that don't don't ever do the phone thing. Just um, you know, we're we're out there doing a job. Like you, it might not seem like we're we're at a job, but just uh, we have a task. We're professional DJs. Just imagine if like you're at the office, wherever you do as at work, and somebody comes up to you like, "Yo, play this song, play this song," or do something like request something from you at your job. Kind of kind of look at it like that. Bring us bring us down to like a human level. You know, we're we're not just up there fucking. Uh, getting wild, taking drinks and taking shots and stuff like that. We, we're actually doing something we're getting paid for, you know. Um, just be respectful. Uh, maybe do it with money. That, that That's a positive. usually the best way to get it. Oh, definitely. So 20, my, my thing is 20 and up, like the song gets played like immediately. Uh, $100 is immediately. Like 20 is like, I'll do it like really soon. Uh, okay, like 5, 10, I'll think about it. Thank you. 20, I'll play it like soon. 100 is like, I'll stop whatever the fuck I'm playing and I'm going to play it next because I, I appreciate you. You know, I appreciate the, the 100 bucks and how important to you is to hear this song. For some reason, you want to pay this amount of money to hear this particular song right now. That means that you really want to hear it. So I'll fucking play it for 100 bucks for sure. It's like when people go to the bar. Um, you know, I, I always tell people, I'm like, if it's your first time at a bar, tip really well on your first drink like if get a drink toss a 20 down and say like you're good yeah and it sets the tone mm-hmm. for the entire night because maybe you're not going to tip as heavily every single time i go but you're going to set a tone yes where you know as you said yeah you have a job you're doing a job and you're playing for the venue and everyone in there but 100 bucks is 100 bucks yeah and you know bartenders they make their money on tips so you know i recommend to people i'm like tip heavy the first time you know just do it out because you're going to get better service. You're going to have a better time. They're going to enjoy you more. Uh, but a lot of people just, I think, just don't understand the etiquette. Yeah. Which I coach people on, like, give them some some credit and give some patience because a lot of people are in a bar or a club one night a week. Yeah. Right? Maybe two. Mm-hmm. So we live it. This is how we make our money. This is our expertise. So we know how it should be done. We know the best way to go about it. A lot of people don't know, and maybe people haven't taught them. Maybe they don't, they don't go out a lot, so they don't know. Or maybe they went out with one person that had horrible etiquette. And they're like, oh, I guess that's just how you do it. Um, so I tell them, give them some credit. Because I'm sure when normal people like us go to Starbucks and we say certain things, the baristas in their heads are like, you fucking idiot. Right, right, You right. fucking moron. That's not how that works. Like, I can't remember the sizes, so I just say small or medium. Or large. Yeah, it works. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are some snobby baristas that are like, oh, you fucking low-life peasant. God, <laughs> that's Go back to the gas station coffee, you loser. <laughs> but I'm sure there are plenty of baristas that are like, yeah, it's just a dude trying to get his coffee. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there, there's definitely like this, uh, there's an etiquette, there's like this, uh, what do you call it? There's like a cold night, night, nightclub or industry culture that we, we kind of are familiar with that a lot of people aren't. I take that with, uh, like, requests and, like, uh, people bothering me sometimes uh, that aren't usually in this this culture weekly, like how we are. And I, I get it. They're the weekend warrior. And I give them a little slack because of it. Um, I don't I don't get mad right away or somebody's bothering me or requesting stuff. They don't know. They don't know any better. They're just there to have a good time with their friends. Like you said, maybe at the least or at the most, I'm sorry, um, get out once 
once in a month or something. Like this is their time to like wild out with their friends or coworkers. They don't they don't do this for a living. So I give them a little slack. Yeah, for people as long as it doesn't cross into disrespect. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard line. Yeah, that's it right there. I mean, just we're we're industry people are just normal people, you know. Uh, just treat us with respect. If you have requests for anything, any bartenders or security or anything, just we're just normal people, just like you. We just oh. have a, a cool job, <laughs> cooler job than. <laughs> How would you? Uh, so someone wants to come up and say hi. Obviously, it gets hectic because. You know, when you're mixing and going between songs, it's a lot of focus in there. Yeah. How should people go about it if they just want to say hi, just walk by, give you a thumbs up or whatever? Or can they come up, give you a hug? Yo, that's the best way to, you know, like say what up and keep it moving. Because uh, for me, like there's some some DJs that can handle both uh, being like um, so social with the customers and their friends while DJing. I, I really have a hard time doing that because I'm, I take my job really seriously. I'm really focused there's there's been plenty of times where I'm DJing. Uh, sometimes us DJs we only have like 30, 45 seconds to mix out. Sometimes we play really short songs. We don't play the whole song. Sometimes sometimes we play the 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 chorus, the verse, the chorus, and we're out. That's probably like a minute thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah, we don't have rule. yeah the two minute rule. <clears throat> sometimes we don't have the time to, to have a you know like a quick conversation or you know sometimes motherfuckers try to like have a Dr. Phil moment with me and like talk about their relationships and what they ate, ate this for breakfast or something, you know, something, you know, that's dope, man. I, I like, I really appreciate that, but we could like really have this conversation outside of my, my work environment or space. I mean, um, the best, the best way to do it is to, you know, check up the deuce, say what up, give a jab, uh, preferably with a shot and keep it moving, you know, you know, let me do my thing and you have a good time. This is what I'm here for. I'm here to entertain you. Um, there's also been times when, when that happened, when they want to have that Dr. Phil moment with me and I just lose my train of thought. Like Mm. I had like kind of like two or three songs planned out. And then I just, I had this conversation, this quick conversation with somebody. And then I just lose, I come back to my turntables. I'm like, fuck, where where am I? Where the fuck am I? Kind of takes me out of my bubble. Mm. I like being in my little bubble, giving my little bubble and I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I just really, I'm just really focused on curating the night as best as I can. Cause I, 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 like I said, I take this job real seriously. What is the balance? Cause I know you like the party atmosphere. You like when people are in the booth and you know, as we spoke about, it's in sort of all encompassing, all encompassing experience. Where is the line between, yeah, everyone hang out in the booth. Let's have a good time. Like the booth at Tinry, for instance, is not very big. No, there's not a lot of room to move around in there. Um, so where's the line between, that and what you spoke about the bubble so the line would be is if you're if you're in my way of like moving around navigating to my my equipment to my computer um as long as it doesn't affect uh my performance i'm i'm good and i don't let you gotta kind of have to be in the circle after you have to be the homie or the home girl uh having somebody foreign i get real uncomfortable because i don't know what they're capable of doing they might not know the etiquette that we all know, like don't put your drinks next to my computer or the equipment or, you know, um, yeah, just as long as I have my little space to navigate, to, to do my job. Mm. Then you're going to enjoy the nice barrier that we put up around our, I seen it. I'm really happy about that because there was an incident (laughs) one time where a drunk girl was requesting over, over the, the DJ, um, over the DJ table from the other side. And, 
she was so drunk her her drink spilled onto the DJ equipment and it was it was not a it was not a good experience for me to Dude, that shit is expensive. Man. Yeah, people don't understand. No. Like a good top of the line mixer costs you anywhere from like a thousand to to now like two almost twenty two hundred dollars. So uh, I think mine was twelve. Twelve, yeah. Fucking case was like two hundred bucks on top of there. Like Why I, did you have that happen to you? Yeah, so I ordered oh, it. And I'm man. stoked, and then it comes in no case. Case is two hundred bucks. Right. It's a few years ago, I was like, "Fuck, man!" Right. <laughs> These guys are that's just, that's just that the case though. That doesn't protect you from any DJ or any anybody spilling drinks on your shit. So I'm really hyped about the the little plexiglass barrier that you guys have. Yeah, we even got some lights to put underneath it. Like oh, okay, lights up. Dope. Nice. Yeah. You guys went all out on that one. All out, man. What uh, what what? Because this was a suggestion I made a while ago. Did, did that incident happen again? Did somebody get drinks spilled on their equipment? Or? A few months ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's just been something I've been trying to get going for a while. Mm-hmm. And it finally came. Like, I kept putting it. I kept giving the task to people that would say, oh, I want to you know, step up or I want more responsibility. And I would say, all right, well, here's this task. I need you to do it. Then they would just never do it. Mm-hmm. So then it got to a point when I just found someone a manager and I said this is your job get it done to buy this time and then they didn't get it done by that time so I got even harder on them and harder and it was like we have to get this shit done because uh, yeah exactly that I mean it was I was tired of that happening but that's you know it only happened twice in the year we've been open but oh, and I was the, the fear, fortune it was one of one of two yeah. shit but the <laughs> fear of it happening the way we like to treat the artists is like employees so it's not in our bench best interest for employees to feel uncomfortable. Right. It's not in our best interest for DJs and members of the bands to feel uncomfortable. So if I can spend, you know, a little bit of money to make the DJs that more that much more comfortable to play at Tin Roof, you can focus a little bit more on what you're doing yeah. instead of worrying about four Sambuca girls spilling her Sambucas <laughs> on your mixer. Right. You know, the less you can worry about that, the better job you can do on the turntables better off the business is going to be right now i appreciate that thank you very much for doing that one hell yeah so anyone out there that <clears throat> wants to start djing i was in that space you know pretty pretty recently wanted to get into djing um what would you recommend to them uh fuck because there's so many facets facets of you like what do you want to do do you want to be a uh like one of them edm guys be on like ultra music festival you want to be like a club dj do you want to scratch like Okay, wait. So you have, there's something that interests you. There was something that sparked your interest to to, to DJ, right? Or to do whatever you want to do in the DJ DJ world. I would say just mimic what inspired you in the first place. Just to do something, do something dope. Like at one point you saw something dope and it was like, man, I want to get into this. So just kind of mimic, attach yourself to the person or the people who inspire you and just find out their story first, you know? And and from there you can probably just buy some equipment, just to see. First, you want to do your your history lesson first, into DJing and to see if you really want to invest money. Because like you said, DJ equipment isn't isn't cheap. It's expensive. I mean, there's cheap stuff out there you can buy, but it's kind it's it's, it's quite an investment to start up as a DJ, which which sucks. I wish I was like a rapper or like a b boy or something. It's just free. But, you know, in the hip hop stuff, look at your the people that influence you that to DJ and just kind of find out their story first and to see if you want to invest money. Hell yeah. Um, so we're going to end it with a few questions that we ask at the end of 
each of these yeah. uh, podcast episodes. So if you could only, and I feel like I know this answer for you because yeah. I think it's all you drink. If you could only uh, drink one alcoholic drink the easy. rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, Tito's vodka. That would be it. Just warm, straight, right? Just warm as a shot. <laughs> don't, don't, don't dilute my alcohol because <laughs> really the, the the thing with the shot thing with me and just warm and just straight vodka. Okay, one, it's like I'm on this like diet where um, the cleanest alcohol I could drink is straight vodka. No, no, nothing in it. No Red Bull. No, no cranberry. So that's what I gravitate to. And I'm trying to get to that 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 headspace, like I said earlier, to get to that level as quick as possible. So that uh, taking warm vodka shots is is my the fastest way I could get into that headspace. Gotcha. And secondly, if you were to open up a bar of your own, what would you call it? Ah, uh, here's a. I think this is actually really cool name, like like the vintage. The vintage. The vintage sounds kind of dope. I'm like into that. vintage clothing and stuff, so the vintage sounds kind of dope. You could probably like, what, what would you decorate with the name like that if you were the, the owner or the like the manager or the, the decorator? Uh, if you could curate the the look of it, and it's called the vintage. What would you put in there? Well, if it's called the vintage, I would have a speakeasy in the back. Nice. Probably have a door that's like severed, like kegs cut in half, and that's dope. like the door you think it's a wall of kegs, but you pull that open. There's a bar like kind of like that in San Diego. Oh, nice. Uh, something like that. I think the front would be very old school. Um, have a have the entertainment be a little bit more throwbacky, but like throwback mixed with new jams. Yeah. You know how you'll have like you know like a song I love playing. It's, I think it's Spindiana Jones does a. Uh, an edit of Eye of the Tiger. Oh, nice. You know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, just old, old school seats, some couches, um, sort of a nice little evening spot. Oh, sounds yeah. exactly like what uh, vintage would look like. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. So if someone wants to reach out to you, if they want to book you for a gig, if they want to just say hi, you know, whatever it may be, how can people find you? I think I'm out of all the platforms, uh, social media, uh, I would... I'm most active on Instagram at DJ Deception DJ or at DJ Deception D J D E C E P T I O N. Yeah, that's that's the best way you could uh, contact me. Perfect, awesome. Thanks a lot, Tony. Right on. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah. All right.